good afternoon and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Lorianne Rising. And I'm your other host, Uncle Mark. We're starting to hear terms like highly sensitive people and empath more and more. But what does that actually mean? What is an empath and how are they different from others? And most importantly, could you be an empath and not know it? We're exploring these questions and more with today's guest. Laura Rao is an intuitive healer and spiritual teacher at The Vital Spirit. Founded in 2013 in Portland, Oregon, Laura created The Vital Spirit to be an instrument in the ongoing shift in human consciousness. Laura helps empaths and sensitive individuals who have been the black sheep or sparkly unicorn their whole life and want to build a fulfilling life by owning what makes them different and cherishing their sensitivities. She has a background in business operations, a master's degree in organizational management, has spent the last 35 years studying spiritual traditions and practices, and the last 12 years training in intuitive energy healing modalities. Laura aligns her clients with their true nature and their spirit-led businesses by educating her clients on the connections between mind, body, and spirit, and our own innate ability to heal through conscious, deliberate self-awareness. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, conscious, deliberate self-awareness. Mm. What a concept. Right. My goodness. That, that's a full plate right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose is that has something to do with why you decided to, be, to uh, do what you do? Yes, for sure. Too, too, too much time spent in the unconscious world of my brain and watching those around me be unconscious. There's so much of that. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. So, so what is an empath? An empath is someone who is highly sensitive. Well, I don't, there's debate as to whether all sensitives are empaths. I don't really get into that debate. We are sensitive as empaths. And that sensitivity allows us to pick up information, energy, emotions that other people can't feel. So I can walk into a room and feel the mood in the room and know kind of what's going on. I can look at people and kind of determine if they're up or down and it's not visual. It's, it's just an energy. It's, I feel it. They are grumpy. They're about to blow. They're thrilled. They're in a good mood and they don't have to be saying anything. They don't have to be showing me anything. So Hmm. what's the difference between having empathy and being an empath? Well, I, um, empathy is still based in the five senses. Um, to, be, to have empathy is to sympathize or um, relate to someone and how they're feeling if you're watching them experience something, if you're hearing them experience something, if you're learning about them experiencing something. Um, empaths feel it with them. So as a child... I, what, I held the, the, the energy of emotion for my family who was really disconnected from their own emotions and wanted to be disconnected. So I would feel something and as a child have no idea that what I was feeling wasn't mine because I just, it felt like my emotion. It felt like it was inside of me. And it wasn't until much later that I learned that that's not exactly what was happening. Hmm. so do, do uh, actually do do women tend to be more typically em, empaths or women, is, it, is it equally between the sexes i believe it is equally between the sexes i think women are more willing to admit it or oh, notice okay. it because their training around emotions is much stronger men are taught not to feel things mm-hmm. and not to acknowledge feeling things and they certainly aren't going to look for it more brush it off or or make it something else or yeah or drink or fix it. 
Well, fix it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fix it yeah. with, a, with a drink every night or yeah, whatever. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So okay. it, so it sounds a little bit like, I mean, you're talking about having the experiences in childhood. So it sounds more like something that you're born with or born being maybe mm -hmm. might, might be a different. So how, I mean, if you don't know and, and the world hasn't really caught up with the idea of, of accepting this and being like, how did you discover it? What was that process like for you to come to the awareness and, and the identification of, of being an empath? An incredibly important question. I was in therapy uh, divorcing my husband, we were separated at the time, and I was share. I was my, maybe my third visit with this wonderful therapist who did a lot of energy healing, um, incorporated into her therapy. And she said, "I think you're an empath." And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what is this thing you speak of?" And she <laughs> described it to me and said, "You know, you have the ability to feel what other people are feeling." And that's, I, I call that the very simple version of a bigger thing. But I was so relieved to hear that this was, I mean, that, that's a thing that exists because every fiber in my body went, yep, you're right, without really even fully understanding what she was saying, except there was just this recognition of, yeah, uh-huh, I hear you. It would have been a relief, I suppose. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, hello, there's a place for me in the world. It was a huge relief. Having, just feeling like I was a part of a club that existed. I was like, oh my God, that is a thing. I can, there are other people who might understand me. That's cool. Um, it was a really weird, because she, she named it and admitted she didn't know that much about it. So it was then a journey of mine to sort of figure out. And I had, it wasn't particularly easy. There were a few books by people who touched on the subject, but it wasn't, this was, oh God, math's hard. Uh, 2004 or five. So it wasn't as nearly as prevalent as it's become. Um, and I in my own work with this person, I did a ton of healing work with her. I dealt with ancestral stuff. I dealt with um, all kinds of uh, the energetic part of, of healing, um, the spiritual part of healing. And as I kind of explored these different healing modalities, it sort of began making sense to me how being an empath is different than not being an empath. And I can speak to it in more, I want to say scientific terms, even though I guess it's the science of quantum physics, but I wouldn't want you to give me a test in that. Yeah. Um, well, you didn't know you were coming on to be tested, right? That's right. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to articulate the question anyway. So. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the hook for today. It's all right. Hey, so I, I do have uh, I do have a question though that's sort of I mean if you're kind of in this this club um, mm -hmm. that, that's sort of their own little thing is there uh, how well do uh, do empaths typically relate to us non empaths or if I'm, if I'm, you know or non like in relationships or whatever are there are there challenges definitely and I I'd say because this wasn't talked about at all when I was growing up and it is talked about now, but still it's not widely um, accepted as a thing. We get into relationships and we don't know what we're doing and the behaviors that we have as a untrained or unhealed empath are really detrimental to being in healthy relationships. And um, one of the, main features that empaths do unconsciously is as they learn people, as they meet people, they merge their energy fields. And it is incredibly lovely to merge energy fields with people. And you really know them, you feel them. It's very intimate. 
And it's also incredibly bad boundaried and um, it can be harmful. And there is not an understanding from the non-empath in the relationship of uh, the depth that an empath can experience in a relationship. So there tends to be a, mis a mismatch in showing up, but the empath is used to that. They're, they're used to being the sensitive one. Oh, you're too sensitive. You're so emotional. You're so easily hurt. And in a, in a empath who can learn their, their energetic boundaries and merge when they want to, but not every time they meet someone, there's a lot less, um, Stumbling into people who might want to use them, might want to manipulate them, um, because they see that all this empath really wants is connection. And that's sort of the being, that's one of the tenets of being an empath is we think in we, we don't think in I or me. And that's both good and lovely and very forward thinking and detrimental and painful at times. I would think the codependency tendency yes. would be a huge thing. If you're getting lost and not being able to tell your own emotions from somebody else's and, and wanting to, to belong and connect and, and all that to sort of lose yourself typically, is that part of what? Amen. Yes. It's a huge. And in fact, I, <laughs> I've been at networking events where I've introduced what I've done and people are like, what's an empath? It happens not that often, but when it happens, I'm always like, oh, okay. And then I have to explain what an empath is. And they're like, isn't that codependency? And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, we've definitely named it such. Uh, it's in, it, an empath is not necessarily codependent. And this kind of strikes at how one becomes an empath. So therefore, different ways you can become an empath. This research was done by Judith Orloff, who's a psychiatrist mm -hmm. and the MD. And you're either born with the biological traits, um, you inherit them genetically, similar tracks, but you don't have to, it's not necessarily genetic, but mm -hmm. it can act that way. Hmm. Or you're raised in a family who's really thoughtful and, and encourages you to think about other people and how they might be reacting in a situation. And they're very emotionally um, developed. Hmm. Or, and this is most of the people that come see me, you're raised in a neglectful, abusive, narcissistic household. And holding on to that empath part of us, which we're all born with, I'll get to that in a second, um, becomes your, your safety. Uh, you have to know what's going on in order to feel safe in your house. Mm. The other, go in the other direction of the pole. <laughs> so it's, it sounds like to some degree we're all born empaths. Is that accurate? That is accurate. In fact, from zero to seven, we are all empaths. And that's why we can learn the amount of data that we learn as children so quickly. We're literally in our parents' minds and hearts and heads. And we are absorbing data at a rate that you can't even really, at no other point in your life can you do what you do as a child. So it's nonverbal. It's all telepathic. And you're also learning your parents' understandings of things so especially the emotional spectrum you know if this is what happy is this is what sad is this is what angry is this is when and how you might feel that way it's un it's not taught it's not like here honey let me sit you down and teach you what happy is it's just learned mm. and um at seven is when we pretty much have lost it and it's <laughs> you know i'd be curious someone could have studied this a couple hundred years ago because you know i'm pretty sure we lose it because we socialize and we go to school and we become independent and we separate oh my um, goodness <laughs> i have a i i can uh, relate the uh, the 
writings of <clears throat> Dr. Bruce Lipton again. I <laughs> since it came up and you you said the word seven. Yep. You said our subconscious we our subconscious minds are developed in the first six years of life. At age seven is when our our basically the subconscious that's going to be directing what I just learned the other day, 90% of our actions for the rest of our lives is developed in those first seven years. That's right. From there on, we start more relating what's in our subconscious to the surrounding environment and, and making our decisions based on what we have already absorbed and and basically downloaded, like you're describing. And it's that this is just, I'm, I'm, we're getting, I'm getting hammered with this message that how important <laughs> it is to have kids have this. Uh, we've we've got to take charge of that of that set for seven years and the and the development of that sub- subconscious. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yep. and hence, there's this great. I don't know if anybody's heard of this kids book. <laughs> You'll hear about it in the commercial anyway. Oh, you know, good, right, right. Going to it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's it's totally new. Maybe. Um, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> might be. Well, okay. Yeah. So sunbeam.com. So, just just <laughs> dot com. Anyway. Had had to get that in there. So yep. back to the empath conversation with with I mean just all of it. It's like, okay, so some some of us hold on to it. And some of us don't for different reasons and, and all kinds of things. So does that mean there are different kinds of empaths? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and different, you know, I, I think of empath sensitivities on a spectrum. And like anything, some people are really, really highly sensitive and they pick up the all the emotions of everybody within a 10 mile radius and you know it's super specific really that could be intense i'm just giving an example that's one thing and but then you can also be really much lighter meaning we figured out ways to desensitize ourselves and we're not picking up everything i believe we have capacity to do to be all of us to be super highly sensitive if we wanted to be um, it's not particularly comfortable to be that wired in, but it's possible. Yeah. So you've got the emotional, but you've also got physical. So there's something called a physical empath that can feel pain in their body that matches the person in front of them. Mm. And, um, and then there's an animal empath that, you know, my niece is an animal empath and you know, she will know when the dog is upset. And they, she can be a hundred miles away or more and be like, ah, oh, we need to do something. And they're just keyed into to understanding these creatures. And it's not, you know, every creature, it's typically their creatures, but hmm. yes, there's different varieties. But this must be that maybe Carolyn Mace is like an advanced version of an empath being an intuitive healer describing sounds familiar with what she's describes. Mm-hmm her abilities to be in. Yes, I believe that that is true. Um, there, the, the psychic package comes with being an empath. And I, my understanding of psychic has shifted quite dramatically since I started learning all of this so much. Hmm. It's, just, it's just data. It's just data in the air. And we're sensitive enough to interpret what the data means. And we can choose to or not choose to. And sometimes we do it when we don't mean to. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is in, in the psychic realm. Um, but it's different than, I don't know, the psychics I grew up learning about. And I've met psychics who are not empaths. So there is a difference. Interesting. So, which is, which is kind of funny because I'm like, oh, you're on the same wavelength because I was just going to ask you if this was different or similar from being psychic. And, and it sounds like there's some overlap and mm-hmm. some distinctions and it almost sounds like it's as unique to each individual as individuals are in the world. Amen. It is. 
Okay. Yes. I've always said that I, I work with empaths as if that were narrowing something. Um, <laughs> and it's, 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 the simil- it's similar to saying I work with brunettes. It, it means nothing. It, doesn't, it mm. doesn't give you any sort of narrowing except that these people tend to feel things and know things and, and, and experience things that others don't. So can you give us some examples of what might be some, some specific things that would say, oh, maybe I'm an empath and I didn't realize it? Okay. So right off the bat, you're so sensitive being used at you from the time you were born um, might be a clue. Um, feeling like you're too soft to be in this world or that you don't understand why people choose the things that they choose. It feels like the world feels hard um, or meaner than you would like it to feel. Uh, Boy, are- that's, that would, <laughs> that would kind of, like, that, that's got to encompass most of us, doesn't it? Or, I mean, I, I would, I would think that, I, see, hey, I would like to think that, but I've learned sadly that no, um, that, really? is, yeah, that is not, I think a normal thing. I mean, this, this, this thing, this empath thing keeps you from being accepted because you're going to say things and do things that are going to cause people to look at you funny because you don't know that you're picking up on what they're thinking and feeling and sharing it because this is just who you are and what you do. Just how well, it is. Well, and you know what, this is, uh, this, is, I want to, I want to get more into this and we have to take a break uh, mm-hmm. briefly because I feel a song coming on and we, we've got to, we've got to play a song after our message here. Ah, Yes. And before we cut to our song, I want to remind listeners about a contest that we have been nominated for, and we would so appreciate and value your help in earning that award. It's the Family Friendly Podcast Awards, and we need our listeners to visit the website and nominate us. And that website is pottycongo.com. So kind of like Comic-Con, except it's PottyCon for podcast. So it's P-O-D-I-C-O-N-G-O.com backslash awards. And I am putting that website into the description for this episode as well. So it's easy to find and it'll be on our website also. But if you go to that website, PottyCongo.com backslash awards, scroll down, click on nominate, We would be so honored and so appreciative if you would let them know how much you really love and value Rise and Shine. And we look forward to doing even more uh, of these amazing and wonderful episodes. And you can submit that nomination until November 30th. So thank you in advance. We really appreciate you taking that time. And hope you will do that for us. Please, please, please. And thank you. And coming up right after the break, we are sharing one of Uncle Mark's original songs, all about how inner guidance is available to each and every one of us all the time. So stay tuned for Try It On right after this. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book Award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? 
discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom. In Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. You're listening to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. And that was Uncle Mark's original song called Try It On. If you enjoy that, you can download it and check out more of his music at www.truesunbeam.com. Everyone has been impacted by the upheavals of 2020 in some way. But if you're an empath, the emotional ripple effects may be amplified in ways that feel overwhelming at least. We're here with Laura Rao from the Vital Spirit talking about what it means to be an empath and how we move from surviving to thriving and we were just having the experience of two empaths connecting over the break and the, kind of the, some of the chaos we're dealing with here <laughs> and, and so I've got a question. Why do I need to know if I'm an empath? <laughs> and that is a great question. <laughs> So the, the surviving to thriving is why you need to know because the, the tools that empaths learned to keep them safe and keep them 
surviving, it don't help you thrive. You know, it is it the thri- the surviving package is people pleasing and making yourself small and being um, accommodating. And well, there's this effect that happens that empaths do where they chameleon to the person that they're hanging out with and they'll have the same likes and interests and, and desires and they're totally synced. And then they're going to go hang out with somebody else and they're going to do the same thing. And that person's totally different and they really can do this, but this isn't them. What they're doing is mirroring and it's to keep them safe. And one of the reasons you need to know is if you're seeing a string of unhappy or unfulfilling relationships in your life, no matter what the relationship is, it doesn't have to be a primary relationship. It could be, you know, your, your mother, your sister, your friends. And understanding your energy and how to use it so that you can know what you want and what you like and what you need is so powerful. I have, I was 35 years old before I could tell you what I wanted and what I liked. Mm. I love the fact that we met in many ways because it's like so been helpful to explore these things. And one of the things that I have noticed and, you know, over the years and sort of beginning to tap in has been, you know, as I, learn more about it as I start creating some boundaries and, and being less of the chameleon, Mm -hmm. it shifts relationships. It changes relationships dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so I, I imagine that's part of the work too, is that, can you talk more about that piece? It is a big part of the work. And I think it's why a lot of people resist the work because it does change your relationships. Putting up boundaries, typically, if you're in your 30s and you don't know, or your 40s or your 50s, that you're an empath, you've got people who are benefiting from you not having boundaries. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to put boundaries up, you've got to be in prepared when you decide to do this, that people are going to ha- have reactions and they're probably not going to be good reactions. And the po- those who are worth keeping in your life will adjust. Those who aren't, you need to be able to grieve that they're not going to change and say goodbye because that's in your best interest. Mm. And it's hard work. Which that place of, I mean, that almost sounds selfish in a way. And that place of giving ourselves permission to have boundaries and even to be accused of being selfish and, and to, to know that, wow, this person is hurting and it's because I caused it. And so now I'm feeling my own grief as well as their grief. And I know I'm the cause of their grief and like how, you know, that, that's a, that's hard work (laughs) to move through. And you just summed up why, Empaths hate conflict. Mm. Empaths hate conflict because not only do I feel my side of the story, I know and feel your side of the story. And why is my side right? That's selfish. And that's a crazy conversation to have when you're just simply wanting to say, I don't want to go to that movie. Mm. So we so badly don't want to hurt people and don't want other people to feel bad or embarrassed that we will take the hit and live half lives or quarter lives really of, of accommodating for other people. And it backs up. I mean, some people can do that and it works for them and that's a certain personality, but if you're doing it and it causes you pain and you stuff it down, you can only stuff that down for so long. Mm hmm. So on the flip side, though, I mean, yes, it's it's hard work and can be challenging. There's relationships, it sounds like, that are incredibly meaningful that could end. I mean, like, why? what's the benefit of going through all of that in the long run? Feeling good in your own skin. Going to bed at night without 
the stress of acting. Hmm. And I don't think you even understand the relief you get from it until you're over it. Because until you've begun. Because you don't know you're acting. You know, this is second nature to us. And we didn't, I didn't know that I was being my mother or being my husband or being, I just thought it was normal until somebody pointed it out to me. And, you know, that was my, <laughs> my ex-husband so gently not pointing out how I was just like my mother. And I was horrified. And then I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be that. But that's what I learned. That's who, what I knew how to embody. I didn't know who I was because I wasn't happy being her. It was just, I picked up how to be like her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's complicated. And how, how do you go about helping people? I mean, I'm assuming the vital spirit, maybe tell us more about what the vital spirit does and how, how that integrates with others. So it began as doing he, um, energy healing and that was my ticket out. I'd been in therapy on and off my whole life and therapy, talk therapy didn't help me understand what was going on with me and it didn't change my experience of life. Energy medicine did dramatically. And part of for me, part of it was learning how to control my energy to be grounded mm-hmm. into the earth and to contain me and not be a receptacle for the energy of other people. And I was once told that I was the toxic waste dump of the universe. And that wow. hit hard and hurt. And she was not wrong. Hmm. You've been receiving and, and storing stuff from everyone else for a long time. Wow. Collecting. Collecting right. And wow. my, my belief on this is that wherever it is that we're from, these empaths, and I don't know what I mean when I say that, so I, don't, I can't answer that. But wherever it is that we're from, it works this way. We can collect and transmute energy and be good to go. It does not work on planet Earth. This is not the way it works. So... Hmm. All we end up doing is collecting hurt and pain of energy, which is energy is a thing. It's not imaginary. It's not, it it affects our bodies and our minds. And we just hold all of that until we get sick. Mm. And I don't know any empaths who don't have at least one autoimmune disease. Mm. Wow. And now when you're talking about energy medicine, there's a lot of different varieties of energy medicine. Is there anybody that, in particular that you studied or? or yeah. Um, I learned a, a smorgasbord. Um, oh. My two main modalities when I started were theta healing and NET, which is neuroemotional technique. And neuroemotional technique uses the Chinese medicine um, meridians of the body and the concept that trauma or emotional wounds are stored in the the meridians it's a i heard a great quote that emotions are tunnels and you have to get to the other end and if you don't finish the tunnel of the emotion and you cut it off that energy is stuck in the body mm-hmm. and it's physically, so our meridians go throughout the body. It carries energy the way our veins carry blood. And each one has a emotional component to it, each meridian. So mm-hmm. kidney is anger. And, and tapping that, you, that you're activating these? or, or Kind of tapping. Um, you, the pulse points on the wrists have a map of the six, of the 12 Um, meridians and you hold them in once you intuitively discern where the energy is stored what in what meridian then you hold that pulse point and let yourself feel it go back to that period of time when you felt what you were feeling at age 10 and let it let it finish 
and then it clears the body. Very cool. So I know one of the things that you have brought up is the, the types of people that empaths can inadvertently or unconsciously allow in or attract in. And I'm curious, are there specific types of people? So I'm going to use a word that gets a lot of use and not a lot of understanding. So I'm going to explain my use of it. There is a hook between empaths and narcissists. And uh, in my definition for this purpose, a narcissist is someone who doesn't hold boundaries, will not allow you to have any, and who can't feel anything but their own emotions. But what they feel of their own, emo- of their own emotions is huge. They're very big feelers. But they don't, uh, there's no room for you to have feelings. It's to anyone else to have feelings. Um, synopsis. Uh, that's a spectrum as well. And I put empaths and narcissists on the same spectrum. Um, I believe we have the same skill sets. I believe we're, all, we're also very intuitive. We, um, we connect and feel and love really deeply. And for the empath, they're, I want to say not as sensitive, which often surprises people. But narcissists, I believe, were broken early. And they just decided to close up shop and I'm not feeling anything of anybody else's ever. And there's kind of a bitterness and a resentment um, in that package. And they're master manipulators. You know, they're really good at manipulating. And because an empath feels their similarity in the energy and the, and the, the narcissist can kind of play like an empath for a period of time, usually the honeymoon. And but they can't, they can't keep it up. They can't maintain it. And then they'll start taking out their frustrations on the empath. But the empath, once committed to that relationship, will not leave it unless they get the big wake-up call. And it, but it's really hard because empaths, once attached, you can't reason with them. <laughs> you like they'll give you every reason but I understand him and or her and I see that the, the the light and I what I believe is really happening is empaths are seeing the potential they're seeing the spirit of the person and not the personality of the person or and the personality of the person and they they see that spirit as the potential but in reality the personality is set you know, that's, I, I love that you bring that up because I know in my own journey, in my own life, one of the things I had to really realize and keep, probably keep learning, keep reminding myself, you know, when I meet new people, mm-hmm. that there's a difference between falling in love with the potential and falling in love with how the person is choosing to show up regardless of their potential. That is correct. I think all of us have an amazing potential but we don't always choose to show up in the highest and best way and paying attention to that distinction has been eye-opening for me and just asking myself is this you know whether it's a friend or a family member or just you know anybody who's showing up mm-hmm. you know is this am i enthralled with the potential or how they are actually choosing to behave yeah and that's night and day <laughs> night and often day. Often it is. And I think being grounded is how I learned to see people's personalities. Hmm. Um, Instead of uh, empaths don't like to be in their bodies because it's typically not, it's chaotic. Uh, There's, they're not alone in there. They've collected too many parts of other people. And so they tend to fly out and, they're only partially inhabiting. So they're way up in the ether and it's, it's a lot of imagination and, and can be daydreamy and can be heady. 
but it's not really grounded in reality. And the more grounded we are in the body, the better we interpret what's happening around us. And how do you, how do you go about that? Or how did you go grounding yourself? Um, I, part of my uh, work with my therapist, she taught me how to ground. Um, and I just did visualize our, each of us has a grounding cord. Um, it, it's an, an energetic cord that extends from the base of our spine. And ideally it should be all the way into the earth in plugged into the center core of the earth. And I like to visualize tree roots and just burrowing down deeply and staying locked in there. Um, we get ungrounded when we get in, in fight or flight. So we, and it's for purpose because in fight or flight back, you know, when we were cavemen, we would have to run and there was reason to fear. You were being chased by something that was probably going to kill you. Uh, so you unground so that you can run, but that's, we're in different times. So when fight or flight comes up now, we want to stay grounded and it is just a process of relearning how to run our energy, being grounded, also being the crown open. So we have connection to our, um, our intuitive resources, spirit and whatever the realms above us bring to you. Um, and then controlling our auric energy. We all have a bubble that's approximately three feet from our center in all directions. That's our energetic space and empaths bubbles are permeable and way permeable. So we collect energy and we are invaded and we invade and learning how to run that so that it is less permeable. It can't be unpermeable just because of the nature of empaths, but less permeable and we learn how to clear it out regularly so that that three feet of distance in all directions is how you learn to be you when it's no longer filled with your mother and your father and your brother and your sister and your husband and your dog, you can no longer, when somebody says, Hey Lori, what kind of ice cream would you like tonight? You actually hear your voice and not everyone else's voice saying, well, I like this or I like, or I hate that. Mm. There's no more filter going through the many people in our world that we have to please. It can be us. What do I want? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and speaking of that space and being around other people, we are at the beginning of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not everybody can actually visit family necessarily, but there is still that connection sometimes via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And we're still picking up some of those things, you know, I mean, we, we have an impact on each other. So how might an empath move through the holidays in a way that can be healthy for them? Like what little things can they do, especially if they're just kind of at a stage of like, well, is this really me? And how can I, you know, what's the beginning point to move through such an emotional season at the, the end of an incredibly emotional year for people? How, how can we do that? Yes. Um, first and foremost, I teach clients from the beginning, even before you necessarily know that you're really wanting to take on this task of becoming separate and, and yourself ground and clear as often as you think of it, ground your energy and clear your energy field. And I would say before any zoom connection with big family group zoom meeting ground and clear and after, especially after mm. um, anything that you might've picked up any you know, errant, annoying comment about your hair, politics, religion, whatever, that you don't want to go to bed thinking about that night, clear it out so that you have space. Mm -hmm. um, even if you don't do any healing work, learning how to ground and clear, it will give you more of yourself. And the more you do it, the more your body responds and the easier it will be to do some of the harder parts of this work. Can you say just a little bit about clearing? Yes. How to do that? 
Um, there's two, two methods that I like. One is picturing this bubble and your bubble also has a grounding cord and you go down and you plug that bubbles grounding cord in, which is normally not because it wants to move with you. And when you do, it acts like the taking the plug out of a bathtub and everything within that bubble flushes down into the earth. The bubble collapses against your skin and then you unground the bubble and it reinflates to three feet and it's empty. Nothing left in it, just you and your energy. Mm, that's mm. a beautiful image. I love that. And it feels wonderful. It, you can't help but feel better afterwards. It just mm. feels good. Wonderful. Well, we are at the end of our time for today. Um, we we could <laughs> we could we could go on, uh, but I do want to make sure that people have the opportunity to find you, connect with you, and learn more about. Because I know you you started a, a mentoring program recently, and and some other really wonderful things that you offer. So, where can people connect with you? My website is thevitalspirit.net. And right from that homepage, there's an events page. You can see services and how to reach out and connect with me. Wonderful. Well, and we'll, we'll make sure that's on our website as well so that people have the direct link and information too. So, man, oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Okay. I really you. appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Very helpful. Very helpful. I do want to just remind our listeners that Uncle Mark and I are on a mission to create a world that works for everyone and uplift voices that aren't typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, or an innovator who's challenging old paradigms and opening hearts and minds, we want to help you reach our worldwide audience. So visit riseandshineasone.com to learn more. We've had so much fun today, and we hope you have too. To continue to create shows like this, we need your support. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It's easy. Just visit our website at riseandshineas1.com and use the links on the Contact Us page to find, like, and follow us. While you're there, click on Fan Club to access premium content, music, videos, extended interviews, and more that we don't share anywhere else. All proceeds raised by your membership go directly to creating great content for you and your family. Until next week, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise, rise and shine. shine. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining.